human first, everything else after. Welcome to What's Betwixt Us, stories of working while human. I'm Lissa Mandel. What's Betwixt Us is a series of conversations about empathy at work, at work. It's about diving into the messiness and the specificity of being human on the job, any job, and how empathy isn't just a nice-sounding buzzword for company PR. It's a rebellious act of remembering that we're human first, everything else after. Today on What's Betwixt Us, I chat with my dear friend Paul Pegler. Paul is a performer, producer, musical director, and the co-founder and artistic director of ECT, an arts nonprofit that believes authentic expression creates genuine connection and that we grow from hearing and being heard. We talk about the empathy muscles that are naturally built through artistic collaborations and how those skills are transferable anywhere, learning to meet people where they are, dealing gracefully with big transitions, and the intelligence of the gut. He says, we put out into the world that which we're looking for or are lacking. Please enjoy episode 26, Empathy Within and Without, with Paul Pegler. Well, today on What's Betwixt Us, I am so delighted and honored to have a friend sit here to speak with me, somebody who I admire very much. He is a he is a performer, a musician. He is the co-founder and artistic director of ECT, which is a nonprofit uh, serving artists, and um, I will let him introduce himself further, but I'm so happy to have Paul Pegler. Hi, Paul. Hi, Alyssa. <laughs> you always have such a Zen countenance about you, regardless of what's going on internally. You really oh, really? Is that what I project? <laughs> a real groundedness. Yeah. I feel like you are, you know, the quintessential person to speak to about empathy, because I, it seems like all of the projects that you involve yourself with begin with that seed. And I would love to begin with talking about ECT, uh, what it is, you know, how it began and, and where it's at right now. Great. Um, and stop me if I go off because there's so many chapters to it. But essentially, ECT was born in my backyard when I lived with my best friend, Ben Piper, uh, in bed And we had just wanted to activate ourselves and, and not wait for opportunities was really the seed of that. And so we gathered together friends and we put on some theater and some live music and it turned into a party and it was just really a joyous occasion. Mm -hmm. um, and that grew and we started doing some more uh, specified events over the past couple of years and new people saw what we were doing and bought in. They said, how can I help? And so the team grew and that's what led to us getting our nonprofit status, I guess, late 2019. So yeah, so we've been around for about five years with some pretty big gaps in between of, of figuring out what this was. It was never intended to be some, we're going to do a company and it's going to be this thing. It was just like, let's just get together and uh, connect. That was really what it's about. And act in German is a word that means uh, authentic. So that was really the foundation of we want to share. We want to express ourselves authentically and, and make meaningful connections out of that. And I think empathy is tied into that inherently. Yeah. And, and, and now we, as you said, we serve artists of all disciplines. We've taken definitely a, a step back in terms of our programming. At one point we had four or five different 
event series that we did, or at least we're beginning to do, and then COVID. So Zoom burnout is a real thing, as we all know. And we we did several events on Zoom, and they were actually, I was going to say alarmingly, um, but more surprisingly effective um, at how connected they felt, um, even for me. So we did them for a bit. And then with the holidays coming, we just decided, let's just take a step back. So we're really doing a lot of internal work right now, uh, recruitment and growing, really clarifying. We were talking about clarifying earlier. ACT is really at a moment of going, the world has changed. We live in a new world now. How do we want to show up in this new world? What can we do internally, both for ourselves individually and as a company and community? Uh, What can we do to grow and shape into this new world in the best way possible. Mm -hmm. So I think empathy is a huge part of that. The Black Lives Matter movement last year, last summer, being such a focus nationally and globally, uh, we really have turned our attention to DEI work. How can we be more consciously and actively anti-racist and inclusive and and bring that to what we do in the future? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like where we're positioned now, but at the heart of it, it was like, let's get people together and have a good time. Let's do it together in person, which yeah. we can. I mean, and I and I want to mention that, you know, because I've been, you know, a performer for a long time and I've been to, I, I've been involved in so many different sorts of, you know, variety shows or other places where artists of a variety of disciplines can perform. There's something so, so different about what ECT feels like, which is that it is a place that is a safe space to explore things that you might otherwise not be comfortable exploring elsewhere. And I think that is what makes it really special. And what makes, you know, your concept of it really special is that, yes, it's about connecting. Yes, it's about performing. But the real empathy part of it is that you can show up in whatever state you are. It is, it is, it is welcome, even for the darkness bits of it. Do you know what I mean? And I wonder if you could speak to that, why that is important to you as a person, where, where that focus comes from. Um, we did this event series called Fear Love, of which you have done, I think, three of them at least. Mm-hmm. And that was born in 2016, a month before the election. Mm-hmm. And so the, the germ of that idea was, yo, we have a lot of feelings and thoughts about what's going on and we want a place to share them in a safe space, as you say. So that kind of turned into the concept of like, we have two choices in life. We have fear, we have love, what will you choose? And let's step into the fear because that we're never going to eradicate it. But if we can embrace it and then channel that through safe and, and honest expression, what's on the other side of that is the acceptance and connection that love engenders both with you and the audience and the people at large. So yeah, it, I guess talking about the darkness specifically, I can think of a few examples. We've done 30 of them now. Wow. I had no idea it was that many. That's amazing. Yeah. It's pretty nuts. Again, considering it was never our intention, right? Just like, well, we did two. So I guess the next one's three. Here we go. Mm -hmm. And we've had some really intense stuff come on our stage, Um, myself included. I think with anything, it's a belief that I hold that I've learned from people over the years that we put into the world that which we're looking for or that which we are lacking for ourselves. Um, We want to bring more of that. We want to manifest that in our existence. 
So it's no surprise to me that I've kind of both in ECT and in previous projects really wanted to create this family existence, this really open, safe, fun, playful, you know, group wherever I go. And that has to include all 360 degrees. That has to include the darkness, because if you don't talk about it, if you don't process that, if you don't share it, it only grows in shadows. And so the, it was really about bringing light to anything, bringing light to a great experience that you had and like, let's uplift joy and let's uplift positivity. There's all this talk of toxic positivity now. And that's certainly something that I've encountered that really turns me off because you can sense it right away. You can sense it. And, and if you're ignoring it, you're ignoring part of you. So yeah, I can think of those few examples in particular that stand out immediately of someone really bearing their soul mm -hmm. and sharing even going off script to go, yo, here's my experience. Mm -hmm. um, and the audience holds that space. It's, it's a beautiful community for that reason, because it's not a bunch of, um, the example I always give is, as you know, as a comic, the arms cross, lean back in your chair, make me laugh sort yeah, of behavior. Engagement, yeah. Yeah, and that doesn't serve anybody, right. including the person with their arms folded. So. Yeah. So I guess, I don't know if I spoke to it directly, but that darkness is, is just part of the fullness of, of humanity. Yeah. And I mean, you, you touched on it a little bit, but I feel like, you know, I, I talk to people across so many industries about, about empathy in their particular work. And I feel like artists, um, because of the nature of what they do require, uh, require a certain something different, you know, in, in the empathy that they receive. So I wonder if you could speak to, you know, as the artistic director, as somebody who shapes these events for people, you know, how do you show up as an empath as an empathetic leader for artists specifically? So many thoughts. Certainly, I've been a host a lot in my life. I was in a music comedy duo with my other best friend named Ben for many years, and we ended up doing a lot of hosting. So I got really comfortable with that position of of just kind of being a universal glue for the room or the space or the crowd, bringing everybody on board to what we're about to experience, priming the space. Um, with the Fear Love event specifically, we did a 60 second sit. You could call it a meditation, you could call it just getting comfortable, but that idea of going, everyone's bringing in their own energy and that's fair and fine, but to best serve everybody involved, let's actively come together and and open up and let go a little bit so we can go there yeah so yeah that's part of it as something we used to do in the beginning that we don't do as much now and when we bring the event back we're going to actually lean into further is this idea that we would speak to every artist who is going to perform mm -hmm. and really talk it out right? Give them kind of that feedback of either the idea or the concept or just to kind of be a sounding board. Because what we were encouraging these artists to do is per perhaps quite uncomfortable or at least new or, you know, daunting. It's daunting to go out of your comfort zone. So to, to kind of prime them ahead of time to go, hey, I got your back. This team yeah. has your back. What you're doing is really important. And how can we support you? Yeah, it's this gift of of bearing witness as people are birthing something, which can be a painful or uncomfortable and joyful experience. 
you're so attuned to the room and you're so attuned to the needs of the people around you. Maybe you even take for granted how much you are like already in, in that wavelength. And I, I wonder if that, I wonder if your attunement to other people's like emotional, emotional needs comes from something in your childhood. If you feel like it was the way that you were born or it's something that you learned as you grew up. I'm going to assume a bit of both. My mom was a social worker for mm -hmm. many years. So she was trained to be that way, but also was a person that chose that. So it's probably in my genes. Mm -hmm. um, and my dad was a, a f outgoing, fr like had a lot of friends, loved hosting parties, was kind of like, would dance with a lampshade on his head if yeah. he even called for it. So, <laughs> so like, yeah, I, I think it probably was in my upbringing. I very much had a loving childhood. Like I, I really, I had that. And so, and, and through personal trauma in my life, you know, I lost my dad to cancer when I was young and moved away and endured some things, which I think made me, which of course was very hard. And I lost that idyllic loving home life that I had. And so I think part of my work has been, oh man, that's really important and valuable and powerful. Mm -hmm. How can I manifest that in the work that I do? Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's for me, but it's also for everybody that enters the space and whether that's a band that I've been in or my theater company in college or, you know, whatever it was, that certainly is at the heart of it is mm -hmm. the heart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, no, I think that answers it really well. And uh, we, we can use this as a segue to talk about your band because I know you wanted to mention that. And uh, I actually don't know too much about it, but I would love to hear about it, about how empathy comes into collaborating with musicians in that way. Oh man, thank you for bringing that up. Cause I've been in a couple bands actually, but the one that I had mentioned to you ahead of time was the very first one I was in. Um, it was a group called Sonos prior to the speaker company mm -hmm. thing. And it was, again, a long story, but essentially it ended up being six of us, one of whom was my best friend from high school, my other Ben, who I did my music comedy duo with. Um, it was him and I and four other people. And we, a couple of us were in college in the acapella group. And essentially the band was all voices. So it was an acapella project, but it was heavily based um, or infused with effects pedals and electronics. So, and this was before Glee and before the sing-off and before right. what acapella has now become. So anyway, we, it was kind of a unique thing and our <laughs> zany British manager somehow got assigned to a label and like suddenly my life was just on this new course. Mm -hmm. And I spent a couple years in the minivan, a rented minivan with five of people who were my friends that inherently became family. Mm -hmm. And so when I, yeah, when I mentioned that band and empathy, it was <laughs> the amount of lessons that I learned just by being in that car for that much time with these five people through every spectrum of emotion mm -hmm. from our, you know, successes to our absolute failures to so-and-so's annoyed with so-and-so and like, they're dating and they're having a weird moment and you know they're best friends and they're having a weird moment and feeling isolated feeling connected there was so much so i'm happy for you to like guide me in a direction but i just the takeaway was 
like it or not, these people are in my life forever as family. Mm -hmm. And the concept of family for me has shifted many, many times over my life. Mm -hmm. um, shout out to my dear friend, Katie Horowitz, who, when I moved to New York, gave me this little keychain that says friends are the family we choose. Yeah, I love that. And it's just been my truth ever since. It's such a, it, it rings so true. And, and that band exemplifies that. So, yeah. I mean, I, I wonder if you could speak to moments that were maybe a little bit tougher, like when you were in, if you oh, can remember totally. that, that needed to be, that needed to be overcome or worked through. Otherwise you wouldn't be able to live together in that van, you know, patience, time. I don't think I'm going to say anything new here, but those two things alone, sometimes what are you going to do? You're just going to keep talking about the same. No, eventually you just need to get quiet. Right. And you can't escape the van. We have three more hours to go. Put in your headphones, do what you need to do. I was not even really a meditator at that point. That would have been such a huge help mm -hmm. if I knew to just go to my room and sit down for 15 minutes. That would have been great. But yeah, I think it's really about, I learned about how different people operate and how different people argue and conflict resolution, learning to meet people where they're at mm -hmm. and I guess, yeah, really, it, it's empathy. It's going, this person suffers from this, this, and this, and I can't change that. But I have to spend the majority of my life with them anyway. So how do I do that? Definitely, I mean, when we talk about our tour days, it's usually funny stories of the car breaking down or that one scary hotel experience or you know, so-and-so getting my, my wallet got stolen actually. And I like had to fly the next day. So those moments bonded. It's like, um, war buddies, right? Mm -hmm. Like on a very different scale, but you go through intensity and struggle with someone. It bonds you in a, in a very deep way. Absolutely. I, you said, think of, of challenging times. There, there were moments where it, it, it was like, I don't, I don't think this is going to work. So-and-so has got to go. Like there were times where it was really like on the verge of a breakup in the band. Mm -hmm. And I have journal entries to prove this as I know you do <laughs> of like how scathing and angry I was and just so like feeling trapped. I think when people feel like they have no choice, mm -hmm. they result to um, heightened behavior that maybe isn't the healthiest thing or, or even the right decision, but it's just, they feel cornered. Mm -hmm. And so they feel and, uh, everything like cortisol rises and you just yeah. are, are not in control of yourself. Again, why meditation would have been so helpful. But when I think back to that time, I go, wow, none of that is in me now. I don't have that. Like mm -hmm. for that, we've gone through healing. And it, it's taken, and, and I'm sure, I know there are still things amongst the six of us that are still challenging when they arise, memories that like really hurt. We were all hurt by being in that group together, mm -hmm. every one of us. And I ended up leaving the band because I, not because of one particular thing, but because I realized it was no longer what I, what my soul was calling for. I'd done two and a half years, we had a great time, but I was wanting something else. But it would be not true to say that it wasn't in part because like we, there were disagreements that seemed unresolvable. And I said, I could either never like this person again, or I could make a decision where I don't have to interface mm. with that 
conflict anymore. That's, that's such an interesting lesson to, to sort of notice, like sometimes, sometimes the best way to express empathy is to set your boundaries, is to know when to put a little bit of distance so that you can save the relationship. You know, if it, if it gets a little bit too deep in a bad way, yeah, that the, that the best way that you can protect the relationship is to let it breathe a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but also to follow, as you said, your intuition that you had done it for, an, for a couple of years and your soul needed something different. And I think that that's something um, like talking about the soul. It's not really talked about in corporate life very much, you know, like artists talk about the soul all the time, but this is where I think that you could actually be really beneficial to other people who listen to this, who, who maybe aren't artists and the, the, the power of listening to your intuition and letting it guide you to the next right step, even if it feels scary or unfamiliar. I wonder if you could speak to that. Well, I, I would love to share. I actually did some painting yesterday and was watching a documentary in the background because I wanted to relive the early days of quarantine when I was like enjoying life. Right. Um, and I learned this cool thing that our gut has, I don't remember the number, but some tens of thousands of neurons or is neurons? Yeah. Neurons? Yeah. Like imagine a small dog's brain. Like we have as many neurons in our gut that they have in their entire brain. So this idea of like trusting your gut is a very real thing. And I know in the field of science, everyone's saying the gut is the future of health and wellness. So listening to that and then talking about instinct and the soul for anyone listening, I don't even know where I stand on souls. I don't know what the soul is. I don't know if I believe in reincarnation. I believe everything is connected. I believe that we are all energy and that is what connects us, but how that manifests and what the language is, no idea. But um, I think living in the mystery is also part of it. So to speak on, on soul, I guess when I said it's not what my soul needed anymore, it was this gut instinct, this intuition. And that same listening to my gut is what brought me to New York. Mm -hmm. It's what made me quit touring with my duo, even though that was, it was successful and it would have kept going and I would have kept making great money and I would have kept getting to travel and do all these things that I love. But something in me knew that despite all of those positives, it was no longer right for me. And I think I've really allowed myself to try to lean on that instinct um, more and more over time, because I guess, A, it served my growth. You know, it doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean like, oh, my gut says this, so I'm going to do this. And now everything's great. In fact, quite the opposite. Trusting my gut usually leads to a period of really intense struggle and yeah. doubt and fear and all of those lovely things that we have to experience as humans. But on the flip side of that, or like on the other side of that is profound growth and new understanding and awareness. And that of course assists with, to tie it all together, empathy for others, because you've been through something challenging, you've survived it, and now you can witness other people enduring that and give them some grace. Yeah, that reminds me of, uh, so I, I love to listen to Rob Bell's podcast, The Robcast, and he's just like, you know, a modern philosopher and he talks about spiritual things, but in a really philosophical way that makes sense. and. One of his early podcasts was entitled Light Heavy Light, which is, which implies this, this sort of sign curve that we go through uh, as we grow, where it begins with a lightness of naivete. And then, you know, the waking up process involves this heaviness, 
But then when you come out on the other side, there's the lightness of wisdom that you can then share with other people. And I feel like you, that's kind of just what you said, that, that that's the example that you show that if you hadn't gone through your own periods of struggle, you wouldn't be able to hold so much space for, for other people and bring that lightness to them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just to throw another metaphor at the listeners, I, that same light, heavy light thing is this concept of you're standing on the ground and you're looking up and you're like, I'm here, but I want to go up there. Like that's the next level. That's, that's growth. That's evolution, whatever. And so you work your way up and you finally, you break through that ceiling and then you emerge and you go, Oh my God, I made it. And then you realize you're just on another floor and you're like, God damn it. There's another ceiling. I have to go up there and go get that. But that's the life process is just like you get to celebrate that breakthrough. And then you go, well, I am higher up than I was. I have advanced. I've progressed. I'm better in quotes, but there's always more. But now what? But now what? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Can you speak to uh, I'm actually asking this more for personal reasons, but I'm sure it can help other people. But can you speak to that that but now what feeling of feeling like you've reached a plateau and and you don't know you know where to go next you know that you've moved out of the the old phase but you're still in this limbo before the new phase and what you can say to that in terms of like how you move through it how you hold it inside you how you work with that uncertainty oh if only i had the answer i I mentioned time earlier, and I think especially as you get older, the concept of just give it time feels stressful. Yes. Because you're already behind. You're already too old. You're you're comparing yourself to, you know, whoever you're comparing yourself to. <laughs> that I don't know. I my knowledge as a mid to late thirties person is I don't think that's ever going to go away. But I can use kind of a, a trivial example is like, I just had a meeting with a financial advisor last week mm-hmm. for the first time in my life. Mm-hmm. And it was only prompted by a conversation with my buddy who was doing so. And I go, man, I don't even have money to advise about right now. But if I imagine if I did 10 years ago, I could have been here. I could have had Bitcoin. I could have whatever. Mm-hmm. And oh, well, that's yeah. irrelevant. You can't. <laughs> You're here. So congrats on getting here. Congrats on finally having that breakthrough and having that new awareness. Give yourself some patience to just sit. Let's go back to that 15 minutes of meditation like that. I, you know, I I wish I was walking the walk more than I am currently. I mean, I've, I've slowly gotten back into it, but the past couple months were a bit of a struggle. But yeah, I think, you know, what to do once you've reached that other phase and don't know where to go yet. There's a great book called Transitions. Before we go away, it's sitting on my counter so I can go grab it, give you the author. A friend of mine handed that to me shortly after I quit touring a couple years ago when I really did not know what to do next. And it was really insightful. I, I wish I could just give you all the bullet points now, but it's really about patience and like talk about empathy. Give it to yourself. Yeah. Like give imagine like me saying this to you i'm telling you things that i need to hear <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? of course, of course. Um, duh, duh we know this but um yeah I, I i think it's about especially in this new world especially now that 
and I really I've used that concept a lot of it. It is a new world. Mm-hmm. And it's not trying to be hyperbolic. It really is there is a there is a difference between before and after this pandemic and, and what it's unearthed for everybody and with our systems and whatnot. So I think we're all in a state of reevaluation of what matters to us, mm-hmm. of how we want to show up in the world, of what we really care about, getting quiet and being patient enough to answer those questions. Yeah. Do some journaling. I taught, I am a vocal coach as well is one of my things. And I'm working with these college, post-college, you know, just emerging into the world, young performers. And I, oh, my heart goes out to them because, you know, yeah. their dream was to be on Broadway. That doesn't even exist right now. Like, yeah. wh- what are they chasing? Where, what are they even doing right now, right? So I just go, hey, keep working on what you care about because that will never not be valuable. Mm-hmm. Even if you end up being a mathematician, what you're focusing on for your growth and your groundedness into who you are as a person, that is, that's always going to be beneficial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. There were so many thoughts in there that I wanted to respond to, but now, now they've, they've left me, but yes, I love this idea of having empathy for yourself and, uh, oh, talking about the new world, um, because it's, that's the conversation that we're all talking about, right? Yeah. This isn't the same world that it was before. And I've been feeling very much like I had a pretty clear sense of who I was in the old world. And now I have no idea. I have no idea. And being in my late thirties, you know, I'm, I'm trying to logic my way into, well, what is the next step? What is the next step? But the logic isn't, isn't, it doesn't work the way it used to, because I feel like now we, we're waking up in this way where if something doesn't feel authentic, we can't keep pursuing it. Our bodies just won't let us. I I mean, I, I guess I'm just speaking for myself and other people who feel like in touch with, with their bodies. But, but, you know, we were talking before this call about about clarity and you mentioned that you know now the clarity that you have is that you have a lack of clarity (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. what's that idea oh sorry go ahead no go ahead that well it reminds me i just want to keep shouting out my friends because i love them my friend drew coolidge incredible improv i think performer but teacher as well he told me a concept that he didn't make up but i'd never heard before which is there's four stages to learning you don't know what you don't know And then you know what you don't know. Then you don't know what you know. Mm-hmm. You've learned, but you haven't really realized that or integrated it. And finally, you know what you know. And that's when you've mastered, oh, I used to be ignorant of this. Now I know it and I've applied it. Right. And I think that is the stage, that cycle is what we are going through as a species, really. And there's no timeline, right? Like just like processing grief, there's no timeline. It's not cyclical. This will just keep compounding over itself over and over so discovery how do we discover now who we are again and this could be applied to how do you want to date in the world how do you want to make money how do you want to express yourself Mm -hmm. where do you want to spend your life are you living in a city and you miss trees are you living alone in the woods and you miss community are you living in America and you remember that the world is large, right? <laughs> there's, there's like so many angles. And I think taking time to discover, rediscover who you are 
and meeting yeah. people, trying new things. That's all a great way to do that. Yeah. So that's, that's where I'm invested right now. I'm, I love conversations like this. We do this without yeah. a microphone all the time, but I'm interested in kind of breaking myself open mm -hmm. in order to learn, discover, find out what's going on in there. Yeah, I know. I mean, the breaking open is something that I think I, I, uh, we avoid as people because we want to avoid the pain. And also because when we break open, we have no sense of the timeline of like putting ourselves back together. And I think that oftentimes like the society, the, especially the corporate society in which we live, especially in New York, which is like ground zero of corp of like capitalism in America, uh, you know, it's not waiting for you to put yourself back together after you've broken down. So it's like, how do you function within this structure that we have to function in and still be, you know, true to yourself? And I, I don't know, I don't have the answer to that yet. I have no idea. New York is in such a fantastically unique position mm -hmm. because vaccines are rolling out a little sooner. And for the most part, I think New York as a population will probably be fine getting the vaccine. Come summer, when there's enough people poking out their head being like, is this safe? Can we do this? Are we gonna do this? It, there's gonna be a renaissance. Yeah. There's gonna be a renaissance. And you already feel it start, the conversations of artists are like, okay, well, New York is insane to live in sometimes, but where else would you wanna be for this moment? Right, right. And and that can that makes me feel honestly very overwhelmed at times mm -hmm. because i go okay then what do i have to i have to i know i have to participate i have to be in, uh, which is the very thing that the beginning of the pandemic was trying to teach me to let go of was that idea of fomo this idea of like i should be soaking up every moment of yeah. and i'm never doing enough all of that is just chaos in the mind so Part of it is overwhelm. And then part of it is excitement to go, what did I just say? I want to open up and try new things and like dive in and kind of get a little thrown around again. Well, damn, New York City is going to do that. Yeah, I know. I'm excited about it. And I'm also nervous. And I uh, the FOMO, the FOMO is real because you know, before this, I, like you, I feel like I was, I was hooked into lots of different communities. Like that was how, that was how I nourished myself and, and fostering empathy among all these different groups. And because of the enforced isolation of the pandemic, now I'm like, oh no, like, how do I, I want to get back into all of these groups. I want to get, I want to get my collective in person. And, and the, the, it feels overwhelming because it's, it feels like, Black Friday, like the doors of, of Walmart on Black Friday. <laughs> you <know>? Great image. <laughs> Terrifying, but also accurate. You know what you made me think about for, on that exact point is something that I, I'm glad we're going to talk about right now. At where I feel the, the direction for ACT is heading, I told you we're working with this woman named Nicole Johnson. Um, from Proud to Be a Mover and her program Edify is about going into different institutions, companies, arts institutions, whatever, and really helping them self-analyze and then make an action plan for, as I said, diversity, equity, inclusion. It's been inspiring. It feels really great for me as a guy who's been a leader most of his life to be in the passenger seat or even like a student seat and just learn, just listen. I think I'm craving that for sure. And where that's led me 
and where I want to lead ACT is instead of trying to do it all ourselves, instead of going, ACT is going to change the world and we're going to create all this new epic planning and we're, you know, all these programs, I would rather just be a connection point for other organizations, A, who already have a ball rolling. We're relatively new. And I'm not saying that we act and any new up and coming organization shouldn't strive ahead. But I think with this social media, the way things are, the way that we're also individualized now in terms of our efforts, be they creative or something else, everyone's turning their own life into a business. Yeah. Part of that is necessarily happening because of COVID and whatnot. But also I just see this like disintegration happening. Yeah. yeah. And I just would rat what imagine if like a few organizations decided to pull together mm-hmm. and target a goal. Imagine how powerful that would be. And then you're not trying to be a part of 10 things. You get to be a part of one. And it's the same thing with a beautiful cause trying to do good work. And if this show is about empathy, talk about the empathy that would be engendered from working with other people, from working with people who think differently and are different than you. Like that, that turns me on so much. And you're right. It is, it would be the antidote to like what my social media feeds are all full of, which is this is how I work from home and built my my own business. And everybody is an entrepreneur. And um, I, you know, on the one hand, like you, I feel like I've been a leader in the past. That's just my energy. And, uh, but, but I feel myself changing now where I'm like, that feels very hard and like a very, um, like driving ambitious way forward. That sounds lonely and isolating. And I would rather be in collaboration with other people continuing to learn, continuing to help, but I don't think I want to be my own Island, you know? Mm -hmm. It, 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 it's not um, sustainable. Yeah. Imagine there being, I mean, this is an exaggeration, 7 billion different businesses, mm-hmm. right? If everyone was doing their own, th- I see all these people, friends of mine, who I believe in also, by the way, like the work that they're doing, I believe in. But I'm going, I see you, I see you, and I see you. The three of you should be starting a business together. You're all kind of doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's ego driven, which is kind of fueled by the social media model or just what COVID has done to our wiring in terms of like our comfort and ability to connect. Yeah. Maybe we feel less. I do think social skills have like waned a little bit. Yeah. You know, so there's maybe a lot of factors, but wow, how powerful if people would just like decide to do something together. That's what I want to do. That's, that's at the heart of act. It's always been about connection anyway. So now that we're in this new world where everyone's been pretty disconnected for a while, I think what, regardless of what industry you're in to kind of like, let go of what might be driving your personal ambition. Oh my God, listen, I could go off because that's like the masculine energy, right? The masculine energy of the universe has been driving forward progress. Me, I'm going to do this. And with this rise of happy International Women's Month, (laughs) rise of the feminine energy in our universe, which thank God, there needs to be and and in fact, probably will only be moving forward this um, sense of togetherness, the sense of empathy, the sense of community. Yeah. Listening, receptiveness, 
mm-hmm. and and a focus on being maybe rather than doing so much. I mean, that's what I'm. That's what I hope for, because you know, uh, I I felt like for my whole life up until I hit about thirty five. I, I was ruled by that like masculine uh, drive, that that ambition forward and climbing and you know, doing everything, like make the networking and the connections and climbing the ladders. And then I felt like I got to a point where I sort of scratched that itch. I accomplished that thing that I want to do. And it's really scary in this culture to find, oh, I don't really, I don't really have ambition anymore. Like that's not what interests me anymore? What interests me is connecting and listening and, you know, working with our bodies and working with the earth. And I, it's, it feels kind of weird and hard to say it because that's the, that's the opposite of like the way that we are programmed to, you know, we have to go to work and make money and pay rent. And how do you maintain the integrity of, you know, what your body is telling you to do while still being able to support yourself. I, I don't know, but I like your new world. I like the idea of your new world. I, I just think we, you know, and it's not mine. I'm, I'm just kind of being an observer and looking at, at what seems to be trending. I see it moving in two different directions. We got, I, I keep going back to like TikTok and stuff, you know, all these things that like, I'm not even saying are unequivocally horrible, but they're, they're, they're not supporting my goals. Right. And I, to your point about what do I do if I don't feel like I have ambition, because then the, what is the other alternative to be looked at as what lazy to be looked at as unmotivated there, the, that feminine concept of just being and being okay with just being give it up for Alan Watts does not fly in our capitalistic you know, hyper-masculine, money-driven society. It's just not what is supported. It doesn't mean it's impossible. It doesn't mean it's wrong, but it is not systematically supported. Right. And so... I mean, there's also the, the, there's also the feeling of like, you know, untapped potential. And I, I, I imagine other artists feel like this too, especially performers for a year having to sort of sit on that innate impulse to express in front of other people is now manifesting as anxiety inside so many people because they haven't been able to express in person and not just artists anybody who is who is an extrovert anybody who fills their cup by being with other people this is why i think there's going to be a renaissance too because the repression is is real yeah and I, and I will say, like, to bring some hope into it, I act, had a meeting with this other organization called Imagination Collective, and they popped, they're another one of probably thousands of new organizations that popped up during COVID as a side hustle. And they've already had some good success um, doing art walks and using public space to, to bring artists in, to give them a platform, but also to bring community into those spaces that have been abandoned. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of cities where that's, you know, where that could be beneficial, where these spaces have been, you know, businesses shut down, restaurants close, arts organizations, how many theaters have closed, you know? Yeah, so exactly. to revive those spaces with new ways of, of imagining art and, and community, I think is really key. So there is work being done and ACT is definitely doing our best to, to be a part of that. But yeah, it's daunting and it's exhausting. 
it's exhausting. Because yeah, I'd rather be exhausted. I would rather be exhausted and working on something that I really believe in than just be spinning my wheels wondering what is it. You're right. Being being exhausted after a long hike versus being exhausted after staying in bed and watching seven episodes of The Sopranos. Right. Are two different <laughs> sorts of exhausted. Yeah, for sure. Are, were there other are there other stories or directions that you wanted to go in that we haven't gone to yet? I did want to tell you the name of this book. Yes. So it's by William Bridges. Okay. Um, it's called Transitions, Making Sense of Life's Changes. And this is the updated second edition, but it was uh, very powerful just while I was thinking about that. In terms of other directions, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, we've covered a lot of ground and yeah. I just wanted to make sure you weren't sitting on some like hot piece of uh, wisdom that, that didn't get to surface yet, but. Well, I feel like I've been spouting off it, it, this is like who do you know generally who listens like what kind of person is or what they're trying to get from learning about empathy from from what the analytics say it is it is definitely more women than men mm -hmm. but from across the world mostly the us but definitely people listening across the world from literally all from all industries you know because i've spoken to some you know I've spoken to people in finance, in tech, in fashion, you know, in uh, HR, to rabbis, to a psychologist, all different kinds of people. And so, uh, I mean, I think that your voice really adds a nice element of, because I haven't spoken to too many artists, so. Well, because it's empathy, empathy in the workplace, right? Yeah, but a work, but like workplace looks like different things to different people, right? And, yeah. and your your workplace has been on stages, backstage, in vans, in schools, you know, that also counts. Something that just happened last night or two nights ago mm -hmm. at a meeting where it came up that, you know, we all, like the seven of us or however many in ACT right now, could benefit from knowing each other better. Mm -hmm. You know, like we come to these meetings and we talk a little like, how was your day? Oh, cool, this and this. But like the more you know the people you work with, the more you'll care about them, the more that fosters empathy. And yeah. well, that's that's the whole point of Zany, which is, you know, the app that I work for that produces this podcast, which is, you know, that's why it's a it's a conversation starter. So you 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 brought this around really, really nicely because I like to end each episode by asking the guest one of the questions that we have in our in our database you know because each week the uh, zany who is a, a bot for slack asks a question starts a conversation so everybody on the team goes in a discussion channel and talks about that for a week and at the end of the week it's archived and a new question comes out hmm. so the question that i would like to ask you today paul is are you a pirate or a ninja and why ninja straight up <laughs> great question I dressed as an, it's the only Halloween costume I ever repeated. Mm -hmm. And I had, <laughs> I had, I had this like childhood dream of being a ninja slash spy, like something in that realm. Mm -hmm. But what's really popping into my head is being on tour. I was alone a lot of the time. And <laughs> one time I was, my buddy was in his room just doing what he does, whatever. And so I was just like, 
I just worked out maybe or gone to the hot tub or something. I was just kind of like feeling playful, but I was alone. And so I decided to just sneak around the hotel like a ninja and try not to be caught. <laughs> so, and like to own it, to like commit yes. like an actor to the moment, like own, you know. And so just like stealthily creeping around <laughs> and like being as quiet. I've always had this, I think innate ability to like sneak around. I don't know. I don't know to be quiet. I love climbing things. So definitely for the, for the reasons of stealth ninja all the way. I mean, it sounds like it's, it was a part of your, it was a part of your personality from the beginning. You didn't even have to pause and take a beat. It's so funny because I'm definitely a pirate. Hmm. Mm, okay. <laughs> I feel like I, uh, you know, swashbuckling and like singing sea shanties and, uh, you know, big and blustery and whatever, but yeah, you have the body of a dancer and uh, I could see you ninja-ing very well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say, I wish I had a little more pirate vibe in me because I, I think ninjas are, they often work alone, right? Whereas pirates are a part of a crew and they drink their, you know, ale and they sing songs like you're saying. So the few times that I've been in a pirate crew, let's say being in a band is very much like being in a pirate crew. There's joy in that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, Paul, um, tell, uh, tell the people where they can find you and where they can find out about ECT. At P Peglar is my Instagram handle, but ECT is at we are ECT, E-C-H-T, or you can just go to ECT.NYC to our website. Um, yeah, we're, we're doing these play shops right now once a month. Um, that's we've scaled our programming down significantly. So that's all we're doing um, actively all through Zoom. But come summer, we're, we're talking to different people about how we might participate in this renaissance. And yeah, um, there's always stuff brewing. I'll be there. I'll definitely be there. Yeah. yeah. Well, Paul, thank you so much for talking to us on What's Betwixt Us. You are a delight. You are a delight. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks for tuning in to episode 26 of What's Betwixt Us, Stories of Working While Human. To learn more about Paul, check out paulpegler.com. And for deeper insight into what ECT is all about and its programming, go to echt.nyc. What's Betwixt Us is powered by Zany, designed to build trust and authentic human connection in remote workspaces. More at Z-A-N-I-E dot A-P-P. Human first, everything else after. Human first, everything else after.